We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And now, back to Lifeline. And we're back to time 610 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open if you want to call. one 367 one Very spirited conversation with my friend uh, Nelson. And uh, enjoyed that, Nelson. Thanks for the call. Let's look, go to line one and talk with... Uh, Let's see here. Who do we have online? Number one, Misty in San Francisco. Misty, what is your what's your topic, conversation, or comment for today, young lady? Hi, Justin. Um, hey, I wanted to say in reference to all the uh, opiates and all the different drug issues in our country and beyond, because mm-hmm. um, you know you can try as hard as you can to try to wake people up and show them the truth, but they want to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. and the bottom line is. I believe they want to be high. They want to feel high. Mm-hmm. They want to do life on those terms. They don't want to do life on life terms. Okay. And so basically we need to have some sort of stiffer laws where we're not, you know, we're a free country and stuff like that. But when people do things that are wrong, there has to be stricter consequences because it's basically the wear down of pornography and drugs are the wear down of the, the society. It's a mess. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's not about just getting up these people off the streets and putting them into a program. They, they're not going to stick in a program. There's people I know that have gone in and out, in and out, in and out of the program. They want to do life high. They want to get off in the summer and get in their car and go somewhere and go have a drink. They don't want to just realize, look, life is great without being high. And that's just not how it is. Um, and in reference to politics, without going down that whole thing, my belief is you're not an authority on politics. And at most Christians I've met who are Bible-believing true Christians, they do tend to have more uh, right belief. Um, who's who's but, not you know, an authority on politics? You. You got to be kidding, lady. What makes no, me not? What an, makes? What an, makes? An, what, let me ask you a question. Yeah, this is good. This is a good one, everybody. This is a very good one. So, Misty, tell me what what politics is. I'm not. I'm not going to set up that you're there. But well, see, that's a pro- that, well. But, but you just you can't do that. Authority on politics, Misty. And coming from God, I Misty. God and I have the Holy Spirit. Okay. But I know that a lot of the a lot of the policies and a lot of things that are happening on the left are very godless. And the people that I've met. But what about I've on the right? In San Francisco, I've never met in San Francisco someone who is on the left who is a Christian. But what about I on the on the right? People. I have met people on the right who are God-fearing and God-believing. So you're saying no yeah. Christians on the left and all Christians on the right? For the majority. The majority, yes. And you, you, you're telling me. You I tell- just whisper that in your ear because you're, you're not an authority on politics. Honey, I'm on politics 24-7. And I just want you to know. Well, de- define for me, poli- before you go, since you know about politics, tell mm-hmm. us what politics is. I'm not going to walk into your, to your Bless camp. you. Bless you, girl. Thought, Thank you. Bless God you. God bless. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So politics, ladies and gentlemen, are simply the laws 
that are laid down in anybody's land that are a consequence of particular governmental structures. Politics is something we are all involved with, born, raised, reeking. We are all politicians one way or the other. Everybody has a position on politics as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. So so the notion of no one is an authority on politics is absolutely yeah, just absurd. The idea is absurd. That's why I just actually give me a basic definition of, of, of politics. Uh, every government has a political construct, a political framework. Every government does. A left-right framework is largely the way things work. You guys know the spectrum of political uh, terms, political political constructs, whether it be socialism, whether it be communism, whether it be democracy, whether it be a democratic republic, etc. Just a litany of those things. And they all operate out of certain uh, assumptions about what constitutes the best for society on an ethical, moral level. Policies that are legislated from a top-down uh, viewpoint are policies that are legislated from a bottom-up viewpoint. They're all really consequences of society's worldview, and, every, and everybody has them. Uh, America is not the best country in the world. We really do admit that, but what we do love and enjoy about our country It's the fundamental freedoms that allow us to at least have an opportunity at what we believe to be is the best way to live and express ourselves in the context of being able to vote, in the context of being able to be represented by those for whom we vote. Um, And then we come to discover, as the Bible is very clear, all men are liars. And so we can't actually put our stake of hope upon our politicians. But it's the best thing going. You hear me frequently say all the time, be careful, Christian, not to get involved in politics. What I mean by that is at these higher levels of being so invested as if somehow we can make uh, significant and long lasting changes uh, in, in, in our governmental policies when the structure for our government really makes it virtually impossible to do. You can exhaust your whole life just trying to get one kind of bill passed. And I know people and have known people who have given themselves to uh, on what I would call on the ground activities, righteous events, righteous uh, injustices, righteous uh, 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 problems that our our government and our society engages in that, that needs to be confronted, needs to be opposed, needs to be changed. We all have freedom to do that. That, that, that it's as simple as thinking and seeing what we believe to be right and wrong and then going about it in a structural way. That's all government is. It's not, it's not a big deal. You know politics if you're in a family. You know politics if you work on a job. You know politics if you are married. You know politics if you go to school. Politics is not some great grand mystery. And uh, the final thing before I go to the break, and I got two lines open. Don't buy into the notion that all people on the right are Christians. I know you don't. And don't buy into the notion that all people on the left are unsaved. I know you don't. Now, we do know that the leftist policies are in their trajectory very bad. That the right policies in their application many times are very bad, unjust. You can believe any kind of policy, believe the politics of the Bible. I've got two lines open, one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back. The time is 622 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. The Apostle Paul said our politics is in heaven. 
from whence we look for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies to be made like unto his glorious spiritual body. And that's at the heart of what I really often have to say about the left, right. It was the right. Uh, Misty talking about most folks on the right are Christians. It was the right who killed Jesus. It was the right. It wasn't wasn't just the left. It was the right, the moral majority, the Pharisees, the rulers. It was the right that killed Jesus. They killed him because he wasn't left or right. He 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 was he was above, and uh, and so our politics is only as good as our worldview. Our politics is only as good as our moral and ethical compass. There's no such thing in my observation of uh, the right better than the left or the left better than the right. When God's left out of the equation, let me go to line number uh, three and talk with Calvin on in Belmont. Calvin, what's your thoughts, comments, or observation? By the way, good to hear from you. Hey, Pastor Jesse. How you doing, man? I'm good. What's up? Um, I just think that sometimes we get caught up in our flesh mm-hmm. and we start making comments about left, right, and the reality is that we're sinners. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're a politician or saved or unsaved. Everybody is sitting there, and we have sometimes these uh, perverted thoughts or thoughts of iniquity mm-hmm. to make us feel like my side is right and your side is wrong. And it's like God don't have a side except a side of righteousness. Right. And so when we start to pick things based off of how I feel, um, you know, it, it becomes convoluted in our own sinful nature. And then we can't even see that the side in which we're on has wrong within it. I agree. Just like when when, when the uh, young lady said, you know, people want to do drugs, they don't. People people don't, by, by nature, don't go into adultery all the time thinking, this is what I'm doing. It's a trap set by Satan sometimes. Drugs is another one, and alcoholism, and all of the vices that are in this world, Satan is trying to set traps for us. So then the thing is, the Bible talks about you who are spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And don't forget, that could be you. Right. See, now you're talking, you, now you're talking solutions. I, what was interesting is, I, you know, I respect men, Misty to a certain degree, you know, when it comes to certain statements she makes. It's just kind of like a big brother dealing with a little sister, and she's just kind of upset that, you know, she don't get to have her opinion fully aired out. We've been having this kind of relationship for years. I was so glad she called because I hadn't heard from her for a while, and I'm glad you called, too, because I love to realize that some of my brothers and sisters out there are still topside of this soil. Listen, Calvin, I, I, I bury a lot of people, man, a lot of men and women younger than me as well, so when I don't hear from you guys for a while and then you call I'm just happy to hear from you, whether you agree with me or not. But I'm in total agreement with you on this basic uh, uh, point of observation. And you know that this has been my turn for a long time to help us rise above the left, right. I've been doing it for a long time. Don't seem like I always win that battle because we are so entrenched in our culture. You know that with politics, America has draped Christianity in the flag and, and, and the left has tried to, you know, do its best to get its day by bringing down all of the Christian elements, destroying all the Christian elements. But the right has done for, for decades now and centuries distorted Christian elements to, to get its way. Like you said, everyone's a sinner. We're all corrupted. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's only one good person. He really needs to be not only president, but 
king of glory in all of our lives. And what you what you began to talk about, Calvin, it's really what I was asking earlier about some policies that I talked about in the opening of the show that's going on where we have dropped, uh, where we have opened up zones, safe zones for, for doing dope. I think you may have heard it. But the point being is we have to actually think about what are legitimate solutions, because what I'm hearing with the politicians, to be honest, brother, is that they really don't have an answer. This, they don't have an answer to this problem. And it would seem like the church should, right? Right. But and, I, I, and that, well, well, Pastor Jesse, just what you just said, the church has become a part of the system. Yep. We're not trying to live righteously. We're not trying to be an example. I agree. We, the fact is funny. We got churches now being just as political yep. as the work of trying to make money and yep. trying to get over and yep. trying to uh, sham up a scam. And, and it's like, we're not supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be about giving people Christ. Yep. That's the solution. Yep. And we have to sometimes fit it to where, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, we have to walk through uh, people's trials with them. Yep. The church has the church got to the point it's like, lock them up. Yep. They ain't no good. Yep. Like, well, hold on a second. That, that, that's my brother. Right. It, 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 it's ain't no good, but he's got a spirit inside right. that the Bible talks about is a value. Yeah, yeah. But you can't throw out the baby with, with the, the bathwater bath or throw out the person with the spirit. True. You have to be willing. And if you can't do it, find somebody who can. Right. So now what you're doing really is returning the church back to the fundamental um, mission of doing things differently than the political power structure and scepter of secularism is inclined to do. And, 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 and in order for the church to really be able to do it. Now, let me just give a caveat while you stated that so that we won't be doing injustice to the church. Because I'm thinking about our own ministry at Grace, and I need to be reminded of all of the different avenues in which we are uh, helping the homeless, engaging in ministry in prisons, engaging in ministry uh, convalescent. We, we do a bunch of different things right along those lines that you're talking about, because they should be normal uh, mandates for Christian churches. And so I'm going, wait a minute, I, I don't want to. I know there are a lot of local churches that understand the goal is to get the gospel to the poor. The goal is to help men and women get liberated from these different bondages. The goal is to point them to Christ and to put them in a position where they can experience the power of God. And they do. They really do. Now, they don't experience it at the level of what we need in our in our society, uh, Calvin. Uh, and that is a revival. We, re we really do. The church needs to be purged at high levels and then the people of God need to be empowered uh, on personal levels to be able to be available to do the work that is needed to begin to transform any community relative to some of these maladies that we're seeing otherwise we're simply walking over Lazarus and we are walking past the blind men and we are walking past the pauper because we don't have anything to give them I mean we don't have silver to give them we don't have gold to give them and we don't have Jesus to give them. And when that is the case, it simply means that the church does not operate out of that level of power with which the church is uniquely called to do. But it's not so that the churches aren't doing that. It's just that our churches are not doing that as a central focus of the work because it requires so much sacrifice on the part of Christians who have now become so secular and so political and so earthly and so uh, uh, so so carnal, as you stated, that we don't 
don't want to come out of the comfort zone. We just don't want to have to walk a mile in our dope fiend brother's shoes. We don't have to. We don't want to have to walk a mile in that person that's in that bondage until they can be uh, comfortable enough to open up and admit they're struggling both with wanting to do it and not wanting to do it. See, because I I see both sides. Addiction is something you don't want to do, but it's also something you do want to do, and you have to be able to talk to that to that dual element in order to begin to give them the kind of encouragement that says there's a better way. They have to be willing to want that better way, but they also have to be shown that better way. And I think you agree with me on that. I do. I do. And that, and one of the things I'm going to say is that that, that one of the things that I see in, in, in churches, not all churches, let sure. me take the universal talk about just in churches in general is that we set up a system that serves us. Yep. It, it, it becomes all about if I don't get that seat, yep. I'm, I'm mad. Or yep. you don't put my name on the program, I'm mad. And if we remove the apex of God at the top of the throne, right. then the church operates with a lack of power. Totally. But when God is at the center and at the top, then cancer heals and people get delivered and marriages are restored. But God has to be at the central of the church and not off to the left and off to the right. It's like, let's just put God back in his position and allow God to do with us what he needs to do versus trying to get him, you know, trying to rub him the right way and get God to do something for us. Totally. No, God... No, totally. Now, I'm I'm, going to do just a little bit of adjustment on the language because you know God's sovereign. So God never moves. (laughs) We we move. We move. Now, what we need to do is get back up under God because we didn't moved out from under his sovereignty and lost connection with his power. So we need to get back up under his sovereignty so he can be who he always has been. And that is sovereign and loving to uh, endow us with his grace so he can be glorified through us by his supernatural uh, endowments. What we need to do is get back up under God. We, we do talk about putting him to the left and to the right, but God ain't moved. We didn't move to the left. We didn't move to the right. That's what you meant by politics and it really is all about people getting what they can get in this life in the name of jesus i've said it before and others have well as well we are more a prosperity gospel nation than we ever want to truly admit it really is about me myself and i and consumerism it is not really about endowing me to give it's an endowing me so that i can have and and really that's not what christianity is about christianity is about being endowed to give endowed to give and when we are endowed to give then we are loving and when we are endowed to receive then we're narcissistic and that's really where we are in our culture today we're narcissistic we are not lovers of god or lovers of people we are narcissistic i see it all over the place i'm a pastor i have to live with that 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 ugly burden in our lives as well it's just true calvin you have assessed it well my brother listen and it's good hearing from you i'm gonna let you go i gotta take a break three lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine three lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Norma, you hold on. We will have a conversation when we return after this break. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line one and talk with Norma in Mountain View. Norma, thank you for your patience. What's your comment, question, or observation? 
Good evening, Pastor Constance. I just want to thank you and want to um, pray always for you. God may bless you always and give you the wisdom that you have to continue to answer to people like this lady that call and she think everybody is that all all the Christians are um, Republicans. Right. That is not true. Right. Um, I I I am a demo, demo, democrat, but I I think that God is going to deal with whoever is not doing His will. Right. So it doesn't matter whether we are Democrats or Independent or Republicans. If we don't do His will, uh, we're we're not in good with Him. I agree. And you said it all. Yeah. You and the and the gentleman before me, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Kevin, said it all. Yeah. We're all sinners. Yeah. And the righteous is the one that killed Christ. Yep. Uh, I'm so thank you uh, for for your show, and uh, all I wanted to say is that may God bless you always, and continue to do a good job. Thank you, Norma, and bless you too. Um, I just happen to know that what Norma is saying is absolutely the truth, and 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 yet I embrace I embrace the dialogue, dialoguing meaning two words, uh, and it's healthy. But I, what I love about the forum, you guys, is this. That we've been doing this long enough for me to know the kind of uh, the demographics and the demographics is that we have a broad spectrum of people that listen in all categories. And then when somebody gets on the phone lines and says something that is falsifiable, <laughs> then I can get somebody else to call in and, 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 and affirm that that indeed is a falsifiable statement. It just was false. Um, you know, so anyhow, be, let us be very careful to understand that as Christians, um, we have to walk in a state of righteousness in terms of obedience to God. It doesn't matter what position that you stand on. Let me go to line number uh, two and talk with Ethel in Alameda. Ethel, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. God oh, bless you. you I too. am here. <clears throat> What's going on? I am. Um, I wanted to talk about the um, apostate churches and the false prophets because um, I just recently talked to somebody who had gone to church. Uh, they were trying to do the right thing, but they were going to please people, and they went to a church that was man-centered instead of Christ-centered. And so I'm wondering, can you give me a few verses, because I know they're in the Scriptures, that talks about the harm of sitting under false prophets. Yeah. um, You got a pen and a paper? I do. I'm ready for you. You got a a telephone book? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Just a few will do. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because there's there's many. There's just many. First of all, Deuteronomy 13. I'm just going to give you the the. This is a fundamental uh, list of, of of biblical text relative to apostasy and the responsibility of believers to know that they can't just go sit and listen to anyone without consequences. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 13. Okay. Deuteronomy 13, you can read it on your own time. I'm give you Deuteronomy 13. I'd like to say verses 1 through 13, but you can just write down Deuteronomy 13. And then the, then the next then the next uh, passage that I want to give you is going to come out of uh, Psalms 119. Okay, in Psalms 119, um, I want you to look at Psalms 119, 130. I want, I want that person that you want to share with to be able to look at Psalms 119, 130 and to understand what Psalm 119, 130 says in, uh, concerning the nature of the Word of God and it giving understanding. The next passage that I want you to consider is going to be Ezekiel chapter 11. 
Ezekiel 11. And and I want you to read it all because Ezekiel 11 is important. But what's going to be even more important, Ezekiel 11 sets the context, is Ezekiel 13 and 14 because God takes Ezekiel in a vision and shows him the, the absurdity of idolatry and hypocrisy on the part of the leaders, which becomes <clears throat> the grounds for God leaving the temple. What you're going to see in Ezekiel 11 is the spirit of God leaving the temple, leaving Jerusalem, and then he takes Ezekiel up in the spirit and shows Ezekiel why he leaves the church. This is what we call Ichabod churches, apostate churches. And you get the answer in Ezekiel 13 and 14 because they prophesied, thus saith the Lord in the name of the Lord when the Lord had not spoken thus. And then God says he promises to punish the false prophets and he promises to punish those that follow false prophets. You gotta give them Ezekiel 13 and 14. That's just the fact of the matter. Then we can begin to move on to the New Testament. If I give you Zechariah, they'll probably scare them to death. So I'm not going to deal with Zechariah because Zechariah talks about plucking out eyes and cutting out arms of false prophets. So I'm going to leave them alone right there just in case we can save some of these knuckleheads. So we'll go to Matthew's chapter 24 and Matthew's chapter 24. And you can start back at verse 12 and make your way through verse 15, where Christ talks about many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. The opening of Matthew 24 is be not deceived, be not deceived because we have a propensity to follow men. That's Matthew's chapter 24 verses uh, 11 through 14. Its context is in verse one through verse three. Then we're going to move from uh, Matthew's text into a New Testament text. I was just dealing with some of this in my preparation tonight to deal with what it means to fall away. And I would take you to Second Timothy uh, not Second Timothy, but Second Thessalonians. First of all, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, and I would start at verse seven, going all the way down to verse fourteen. Second Thessalonians two, verse seven through fourteen. It's very critically clear there. God says in around verse eleven, and because they did not have a love for the truth, God gave them over to a strong delusion that they should not believe the truth, but. Uh, but that they should be damned because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, there's consequences to listening to false prophets. That text is there. It talks about the men of sin and the power of Satan working through lying prophets and lying teachers to deceive many. So you got Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, you can start at verse 7, go all the way through verse 13, or start at verse 9. Verse 7 is fine. Paul is actually talking about apostasy in Second Thessalonians too. He's talking about the falling away of the last days. Then you can go over to Second Peter chapter, First uh, Peter rather, chapter two. In First Peter chapter two, Peter opens up saying that, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who shall privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon them swift destruction. The whole of that chapter treats not only the damnation of false prophets, but the deception and punishment that comes from those that follow them. Verse 21, for it had been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment uh, delivered unto them. But as it happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog back to his vomit, the pig back to his wallowing in the mire. Then you can go to first John, first John chapter two, 
First John chapter two lays it out in verse 17 through verse 19. Many antichrists shall rise up and it talks about people leaving the church and why they leave the church, that they were not truly of the true church. And so they got drawn away by false prophets. And then in first John chapter four, it opens up, try the spirits, whether they be of God or not, for many false prophets have risen up denying who God is, denying who Christ is. And that is prominent in our present day. And I'll give you one more sister. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through eight. They have a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof from such turn away for these kinds of men creep into houses and lead captive silly women with small minds who are man centered and they get trapped by these individuals and they never see Jesus. They never see the glory of God in Christ. They never ever see the beauty of God, the beauty of the Holy Spirit, the beauty of the word of God, because they are man centered. I could go on and on and on, just popping them off from the top of my head. Anyhow, I hope that some of those texts will speak to you and speak to your friends and bless you for wanting to help your friend with that. I've got to take a break. I'll be right back after this break. This report is brought to you by True Car. Westbound 24 at Highway 13. Sacred Heart remains in effect. Uh, this is due to an overturned vehicle. Uh, they say it'll be at least an hour before this is reopened. Northbound 13, meanwhile, backed up to Thornhill. Two-car injury crash in Antioch. Westbound 4 at Contraloma Boulevard. It's in the second lane from the left. Ambulance on the way. Seven cars involved in a crash in Richmond. Eastbound 80 at Appian Way. That's in the second lane from the left. You'll find traffic coming to a halt right around Carlson Boulevard. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Looking to buy a car? Online shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for the car you want and see what other people paid for it too. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Hi, this is Craig Roberts, and if you're anything like me, concerns over how much you'll need to retire often weigh heavily on your mind. Well, our friends at Online Trading Academy will help you learn skills designed to be mastered and applied to generate income and protect your retirement accounts through a variety of financial education courses offered conveniently around your schedule. I'm so impressed with Online Trading Academy that I'm signing up for my own free class, and you can too. Just call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8720. 23 to attend and get two free passes to their next class so you can check this all out. And if you call right now, they'll send you home with their Professionals Insider Kit. It's loaded with exclusive investing courses and some of their best lessons from the pros. This is a limited time opportunity and seats go quickly, so call 844-678-TRADE. That's 844-678-8723 or visit them online at otaclass.com. 844-678-TRADE or otaclass.com. The perks just keep on coming for members of the KFAX Fan Club. Right now at KFAX.com, you can enter to win a family four-pack of tickets to California's Great America. And all summer long, that includes admission to Boomerang Bay. Not a fan club member? Not a problem. Head to KFAX.com and sign up right now. It costs nothing to join and offers perks galore. The KFAX Fan Club. See what we've got for you at KFAX.com. From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick Brothers return to the big screen with Overcomer. Why have a season with one runner? One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define you? Overcomer, now playing. 
Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shirer. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, the time is 6.51, and we've only got a few minutes before our program ends. If you want to try to call, you can. one 367 You might get one, uh, one. We might be able to get one call in. I'm going to actually devote uh, the final meditation on Chapter 23 of the Book of Jeremiah. I want to give to my last caller there as well. There are many texts in the Scriptures. You talk about speed bumps to slow people down. The Bible is full of speed bumps to slow us down to let us know that we live in a world that is um, by God's sovereign permission given to be governed by, as Calvin said, uh, the prince of the power of the this world, the prince of the power of the air. And that happens to be Satan. And he has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Second Corinthians four, four. And it's, mo- it's most evident by people who go to churches where men and uh, 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 people who are in leadership do not actually teach and preach the word of God and do not exalt Christ and do not glorify God for how he has revealed himself to us in the centrality of Jesus Christ. But they are all about themselves. And so you find lots of people getting caught up in men, getting caught up in women, getting caught up in positions, getting caught up in the power brokering, uh, what we would call uh, signs and wonders that lead men and women to uh, destruction. And here's how God puts it. If you really want to know God's heart about it, I'm going to read Jeremiah chapter 23, maybe some commentary along the way until we get to verse uh, number seven. Listen to this. Woe be to the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Now, this is God through his lawyer, Jeremiah, indicting the leadership in Israel, whether it be the king, whether it be the priest or the prophet. Remember now, priest, king and prophet are all pastors particularly in the Old Testament, because these three represented Jesus in his major three offices of prophet, priest, and king. So when the word pastor is used in the Old Testament, particularly in the monarchical uh, system from the time of King Saul all the way up to the last king, uh, uh, Zedekiah, in the in the scriptures, kings were pastors, priests were pastors, and then the prophets were pastors because they pointed to Jesus. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock, you have driven them away, and you have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their foals and they shall be fruitful and increase. Notice how God will protect his elect from false prophets and false teachers that scattered them abroad. God will go after his elect. And many of us have been there. We've been under false teachers. We've been under wicked men and been under wicked teachers, men and women. And, and, and it drove us away from the church. And yet, because we were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, the Holy Ghost hunted us down and brought us back into the fold by the preaching and teaching of faithful gospel ministers. God did that. Here's what he says. And I will set up over them shepherds, which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. 
Now, what has he done? He has brought these sheep who have been scattered by false teaching and false doctrine and mental and emotional and psychological and sometimes physical abuse, as you have in the Catholic Church and in many denominations where the pastors dominate the people like gods and abuse them sexually, mentally, emotionally, financially, etc. God's bringing them back, but he brings them back under men who actually know how to give way to the glory of God in Christ because what brings about security of soul, freedom from fear, freedom from lack is the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ in the gospel of God and his sovereign grace. That's what brings us into the rest because we know Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And then we come to discover the fullness of the grace of God in Christ and the power of his spirit to bring us into a settled life of forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, and imputed righteousness. He goes on to say, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up David, a righteous branch. And Jeremiah was talking 600 years before Jesus. He wasn't talking about King David. He was talking about the greater David. And that David is God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. He's the only righteous one. And he is the branch. And every sound exegete knows this, so I'm not going to say anything, anything more about that. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. And what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, concerning every true believer who is rooted and grounded in Jesus is that of God are you and I in Christ? In other words, we didn't get into Christ by our decision. We didn't get into Christ by our choice. We didn't get into Christ by our good works. We were placed into Christ by God, who of God, that is Jesus, he's very God of very God, has been made unto you and me to be wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is our wisdom. He is our power. He is our righteousness. He is our justice. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. Jesus is our alpha and our mega. Jesus is our first and our last. Jesus is the word of the living God made flesh. Jesus is the glory of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact representation of the father. Jesus is our head. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our husband. Jesus is our hope for glory. Jesus is our big brother. He is our apostle. Jesus is everything to us. And he has made the spirit of God to realize in our life all of the fullness of God in him. For it pleased the father that in Jesus Christ, all fullness should dwell. And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, when you and I are really, really, truly, truly saved, Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my hope, my all. And we we love him dearly because he becomes the one that stands between us and God to meet the necessities of God's justice and law to redeem us from hell. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And you and I have been brought into a saving relationship with God through the son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit of God has entered into our life because Christ went back to the Father. And the Spirit of God is the one who calls us and draws us. 
He's the one that quickens us and clarifies in our heart and mind sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's the one that lets us know we are forgiven. There is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He's the one that's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. He has sealed us unto the day of redemption. The Spirit of, the, of God is going to be the one that raises us again from the dead when we die bodily and when the Lord comes to quicken us together with the Lord. The Spirit of God, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit of Adoption is the one that's going to bring us into everlasting fullness and fellowship with the true and the living God. And we will see his face and his name will be written on our foreheads. And on that day, there will be no tears, no weeping, no sorrow. And we will serve him with gladness and joy forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Until next time, keep your eyes on him who is altogether lovely and worthy of honoring and adoring. His name is Jesus, the greatest name I know. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.